The Evolve Pod is hosted and produced by TriSwimCoaching.com, the home of expert swimming, open water and triathlon coaching for all abilities in Oxfordshire. If you're interested in getting involved in multi-sport, please visit TriSwimCoaching.com and get yourself set up for a free consultation with me to see how we can help your triathlon performance. We're also supported by Notepad. Notepad are a kick-ass Birmingham-based branding agency who formulate crystal clear strategy alongside jaw-dropping design to make your brand truly unbeatable. You can check them out via their website at notepadstudio.com. Lastly, as a little benefit for the listener, I've teamed up with The Fell Store, an independent business created in lockdown to inspire more people to enjoy the mental and physical benefits of nature and the outdoors. They provide tasty, lightweight, dehydrated and freeze-dried meals ideal for any outdoor adventure. You can use the promo code EVOLVE15 on checkout to get 15% off all meals. Welcome to episode 37 of the Evolve Pod with the energetic founder of Impact Marathon, Nick Kershaw. We discuss how using the simple power of running can uplift communities and empower runners all over the world. Each location of the Impact Marathon has a different goal of enriching the community and the runners in a unique way. We talk about running on a personal perspective as well as a business perspective. We talk about the transition from being full-time employed to following your passion and the pitfalls that that can throw up. So yeah, grab a coffee, have a listen, learn and grow. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank you for all the listens and for all the support. I'd really appreciate a share, a like and a review if you feel like you do love the content that we deliver. So please don't hesitate to share amongst your friends and family as it only allows us to share the content to a far wider audience. So thank you, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to uh, episode 37 of the Evolve Pod. I'm here today with Nick Kershaw. There's uh, some really interesting things that I want to get involved with today, Nick, with you. And it's a mm. real pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've been introduced to you via previous guest, Nick Butter. Um, mm. But first of all, how, how are you getting on? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Great to hear that Nick is uh, Nick is sharing the word. We we met actually in Guatemala. I was I was organ- you know out there planning our race in Guatemala, and I got a message from the ambassador saying, "Oh, we've got this British guy. He's about to he's trying to run a, a marathon in every country in the world. Can you help out?" And I was like, "Kind of busy. I like I don't know." And so um, but some of the team fancied it, so we went down to the hotel. Uh, where he was staying and uh yeah the moment he walked in we just like locked and we've just been great friends ever since and we've yeah i helped him on the rwanda one nepal we we run uh help run his foundation so it's uh it's sort of one of those complete chance meetings where honestly i really didn't want to do it although he does say that we ran the marathon in guatemala together i didn't run I don't mind him saying the story, but I wasn't there. I was there at the start and then for the pizza afterwards. Nice. Well, those are the most important bits, right? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, we've gone off on a tangent already. No, no, no. Awesome to to link up with you, Ali. Yeah, yeah. And it's like one of the things I really took from uh, that pod with Nick is the concepts of community and, you know, how um, and the word impact is going to come up quite a lot in this episode, but how the impact of what he's doing with his running uh, career for want of a better word is having mm. a real a real impact on a on a global scale um and there's there's a lot of that involved in what you're doing 
Um, and I guess this pod is going to be a number of different chapters. Well, I want to start off, obviously, you're the founder of Impact Marathon Series. Now, there's quite a, where did that come from? What, what's the mission of the Impact Marathon Series? Well, I mean, you know, the headline mission is that we, we want to unleash the power of running to, to uplift communities and empower individuals around the world. What, what does that you know, actually mean in reality? Um, I mean, for me, it all came from like this ability you know, to understand how we as individuals can make an impact in the world. Um, we have a lot of different challenges globally. Um, publicly, we can look at it from the perspective of the Sustainable Development Goals announced by the UN in 2015, which was exactly the same month as Impact Marathon started up. So we were the first organization just by chance in the world to have the Sustainable Development Goals right at the heart, not just as an add-on, not as a, oh, but fundamentally built into what we wanted to do. Um, and it was about telling those different stories from around the world. What no poverty looks like in London is really different to what it looks like in a Malawian fishing village, is really different to what it looks like in Guatemala. And it's about taking goals that were created in a, in a very lovely office in New York and making them tangible on the grassroots level. Uh, and that's what our races are, are all about, is taking uh, people and more and more taking the local community on that journey as well, because that's what I think gets overlooked most of the time, um, of, of discussing what those different global goals mean in different contexts and different communities, and then how we as individuals and then as a collective uh, can support those. Um, whether that's with our, you know, our companies, whether our families, community, whatever it is, our, our, our network of influence that we have, how can we put those SDGs at the center of what we do? But also how can we as individuals be empowering individuals and, and members of society? Yeah, and so what part do you see the, the running? Because running for me, it's quite a pure, um, it's quite a pure activity. It's quite a pure mm. uh, hobby. Um, that people get a lot of kind of value of in a, on an independent personal basis. Yeah. And as as I've kind of, I'm a, oh, currently an injured runner, but, you know, you kind of, over the course of the years, and do, particularly doing this podcast and doing various challenges, you kind of understand really the community behind running, etc. Mm. It's interesting you talk about where you go, different locations, which I'm sure we'll come to, about getting the sort of the, the feet on the ground, the locals involved in, in what you do. How does the running kind of intertwine and kind of blend together this kind of event versus yeah. the impact that you're actually trying to achieve? Well, I think you've already really answered it in terms of it, it, it blends as a catalyzer. I think it all started really because I was I was organizing trips out to see some projects in Uganda and um, I was then launching a fundraising for it and, and I decided that I just again off the cuff I just said you know don't just like donate to our project come and see it because then you get to understand the genuine impact this can make and if you do that when you do that we're going to run a marathon it was a total joke I didn't I don't think I mean, six weeks later at the Uganda embassy launching the Uganda marathon and it kind of snowballed from there so I guess the first answer is it would just catalyzed everything um but what you said there it's like running is such a pure activity and there's an there's an innate natural power in it and everybody who comes to our events whether it's international runners local runners um has an understanding or is about to if it's their first race have an understanding of the power that running can have because it is so pure because it is so natural because it is so accessible as well um you know we talked about are we going to do impact triathlons for instance well i 
yes would be the short answer but but not not for me that doesn't have the same uniting power because it's not as accessible to people of all uh wealth or people of all uh gender it's not it's just not as accessible so the purity of running is what what attracted me to to it um but really it catalyzes everything and it's just a reason and it's it's a, a i guess a, a, an excuse to have everybody there at one moment at one at one place in time right you can organize a trip somewhere but i could do that any time of the year why is it that we want this amount of people at this one place because it you then unites people around that goal and then what it also does is create this climax to the week that really becomes a celebration and not a race and has that energy even how we create the roots which i'm sure will come on to is about how do you get people running together not how do you get people to be like just racing their own race and doing this for their own because we all run for our different motivations right so I don't want that, you know, that individual motivation that should be there, but it should then, how do you get it so that those individual motivations connect with others and then they have this exponential, exponential power. Um, I think that's a quite, uh, a, 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 a utopic answer to the question, you know, strategically and, and deliberately like running, <laughs> how does running blend into the week? Well, we run a race at the end of it and it, it's the reason why people come out, but um I think part of what makes the impact journey so special is that we do think about things on the level of like how how does each element of the week blend into the other ones and how does that energy form and, and manifest through the week yeah and the the, the power of the tribe again another mm. pod, podcast Shane Benzie talks about the power of the tribe or the power of the group in terms of running perfection and running form like mm. I guess what you're alluding to is the power of the tribe through running can actually bring so much more can actually bring so much more results and therefore let's bring in that word impact mm. so throughout the week can you give some examples of of previous um locations where you've had that impact i'd be quite keen to understand how that impact kind of stays on once your event has kind of yeah. been done succeeded and moved off well, it's a hard challenge that, yeah. you know, that, and that's something that I obsess on, you know, and that's something that, you know, there's a reason during this lockdown I've, I've taken under, you know, I've started, well, hopefully almost finishing my master's in industrial development because it's like, this is something that is obsessive for me because um, it is very easy to do a, hey, you know, we've done this event, we did this, uh, and then, you know, the reality is on the Monday morning after the event, we all head off home and that organization, because we partner with local organizations, we don't set up our own projects. They go, they carry on doing the work. And then next year that we roll into town and we do it. And, and so, you know, the one easy answer to that is, is through the fundraising that comes in, right? That, that fundraising goes, uh, and we're very particular about who we fund and why we fund. Um, but also we have, notable things that that i think are really important in that the fundraising is unrestricted the charities and partners that we have can spend it in any which way they they want and what i'm trying to do although that's faced a couple of challenges recently um uh because i experimented with something uh, that has not quite worked um uh is is look at how we can make that multi-year and guarantee okay cool we're not just going to give you twenty thousand pounds this year but actually we're going to give you Ten thousand pounds over three years. Um, yeah, so that consistency is just like organisations, especially smaller ones, can now start planning that and uh, and get that consistency of funding. 
that goes on all year round. So how do we transition our events from being just cool, that classic sponsor and running a marathon to hold on when you sponsor me, this fund will be perpetual. This, this, what we're doing here is creating almost an impact endowment fund that then supports organizations for five, 10, 15, 20, yeah, hundred years. Um, so, so the fundraising is fundamentally important. Um, and also just getting it so that the fundraising feels like part of the adventure and not all oh, crumbs. So I don't raise my two and a half thousand. I'm going to lose my place. No, no, no. Like we don't have minimum targets. We don't, we take it out. We say, cool, this is your journey, both on the run running side, the travel side and the impact side and the, vol- and the fundraising side, right? This is your journey. Shape it, set your target. So what do you want to get from this experience? Um, then on the ground is, is, is again, another kind of obsessive challenge, because there's times when getting our hands dirty, getting stuck in and volunteering is really, really powerful. The best example of that was our first ever race, which was in Nepal, where the entire community, 120 of the community came out. We had 120 runners at that race, which is crazy for our first event. And we got going and um, we built a five kilometer water pipeline over two days uh, with the um, with the community, they funded half of it. We funded half of it. They did more than half the work. Let's face it. We we, <laughs> we did, it. and 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 that unified this community. So over two years, we we because because the the Japanese embassy had built a sixty five thousand liter water tank in their village, but no water. Um, so we then sort of that that part in the first year. And the second year, we took uh, the water to different parts of the village, and by the third year. You know, I'd written a letter of recommendation to support them uh, with a, a, a municipality grant. And then by the third year, I arrived and every single house had a, a water meter in it and they were all funding that water. And, and actually, you know, that's a really good example where the event and the volunteering can catalyze change. Now that's I, I learned in the proceeding in the next years. That's hard to replicate. Getting volunteering right, getting your hands that and, and without it becoming a white savior or whatever, it, it's very, very um hard to do so each race is slightly different and in guatemala we um you know we support and work with a a leadership organization um and they're developing young leaders they're saying you know you can do good in guatemala but fundamentally the country needs great young leaders and systemic change to really be able to tackle the challenges we can put a plaster on a broken leg as many times as we want and that there's nothing wrong with doing that. You can help in the short term, right? You can and you should. But actually, what we tend to do is look for that longer term story, which isn't quite as sexy, doesn't play out quite as as well. Uh, but the story is is fundamentally more um, has a stronger narrative to to how we can learn about our ability to make an impact and how to look at international development, how to look at development in our own communities. So we work with young leaders, and the young leaders are just like, well, cool. What do you want to do with us, right? We've got the you know, thirty five runners you know they're like well we want to organize a women's day march last year we had 12 people there um so this year we want you to join that women's day march and we want you to (laughs) you're not very good at building houses but you are good on instagram so we want you to get on instagram we want you to tell that story of what's going on in tech pan so we said obviously that that's cool like you're in charge this is your story we're gonna we're, we're here to sort of flow into your story and um yeah, so you know, they then took that and said, We've got this group of runners that are coming. They said that to the mayor, and the mayor was like, Cool, well, let's get in touch with all the women's groups. And suddenly, this event that had been 12 people the year before was now well over 300. And as you're walking through Techpan, which is the, the town that, that this was, was happening in, uh, firstly, it's a great experience, right? You don't normally just walk through Techpan as, as, as a 
traveler going through Guatemala, right? It's not the place you would you would stop or walk through, right? So, but you get this that part of it from from that side. But the other side is that suddenly, actually, people are listening to what's going on because it is intriguing. It's different. You don't normally have so this event that was able to 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 grow. There's other ones where it's more about learning and listening and understanding. And you know, just recently we did one with Trees Not Teas, um, which is the organization where you can choose to plant a tree or have a free race T-shirt. Uh, you know, it's on 140 races in the UK. And actually that was a blend of, cool, we're going to plant some trees, but actually what's exciting about what we're doing is things around soil sequestration, how we can we can use our land to be sustainable and grow woodland that isn't going to get chopped down in 30 years time. And all of these stories were getting told and it was all like, you're blending both. So each one, each location is a totally different challenge in how that story gets told um when it's right and 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 you know again volunteering is all well and good and you can get it wrong but also there's a real power in giving someone a pickaxe and saying cool go at it when was the last time you got to just like attack that we've had like quite important ceos come to our trips and uh, i don't mean i don't know whether i think i might be more valuable doing other things yeah cool just and then obviously that when was the last time they got to de-stress with a pickaxe and into some and I think there is a power to that as well I don't want to ever overlook that um and it unites people and bonds people and that's what creates the 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 awesome experience at impact races and the one that keeps me keep doing it really is that energy of the group I can see uh, as you're talking there I'm kind of thinking you know one thing on this this podcast that I'm big on is finding out your reasons why whether that's mm. on a personal level or in this in this instance on a on a business organizational level but also for I put my shoes and I'll put myself in the shoes of that CEO, for example, coming mm. up and being given a pickaxe. Like uh, that's a, such a good lesson, like all hands on deck. Yeah. You know, but, but also he them. keeps he keeps coming back because he um he's like, this is cheaper than going to a recruitment agency. And I get to meet all the people that I would normally want organizing my in my company. So he's he's recruited people from impact races. Wow. Um, okay. and that is you know, it's much cheaper to come on ours than to pay a recruiter the first yeah. three months of the time whatever it is you pay so <laughs> that that motivation has transitioned right originally it was I want to run an awesome marathon like a tough marathon in Nepal then it's like wow the community and the group's really cool I'm going to come and join you in Guatemala and then it's like hold on I've I'm employing people from these races I'm going to come to Jordan because I know I'm going to be surrounded by the kind of people that um that I want to be in my organization right so that motivation shifts over time, right? There's a reason yeah, yeah. you keep coming back. It's, and it's very rarely, I want to run that route. Yeah. It's a lot more sort of um, holistic, isn't it? There's, a lot more, there's lots of kind of, lots of little bits of the jigsaw that come together with, with something along the lines of what you're talking about there with the impact marathon. Yeah. Sorry, I completely interrupt you on that one. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. I, I, I just want to find out a little bit about, so all, all the experiences you've had, you know, was it 2015 you started up? Yeah, so sort of seven yeah. years or so of of running these 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 events and these weeks. What have you learned? Not necessarily for yourself, but as an organisation, what have you mm. learned from various communities that you've worked with that you've been able to bring back into how you operate as an organisation? Because oh, wow. it's quite easy with volunteering, isn't it, to go out and try and imprint your way of doing things and your mm. advice and mindset on somebody else. But equally, it's a really is a two-way journey isn't it and what you can learn from communities and bring back to how we operate yeah i mean i think a really good example of that is our partner in guatemala setters um who have now basically put out this is what we want from foundations giving us grants instead of the foundation saying we're looking for a school project which which has impact on fifty thousand, like no 
um, why is it that the power is in the hands of the person who is giving the money? The power should be in the hands of the organizations receiving the funds to say, cool, this is how we're going to spend it. And I think too often philanthropy is the other way around, right? Um, so they're a really good example where, yeah, when I first met with them, I, I shared them this idea and I said, this is what we just did in Nepal. And they're like, well, we're not really a volunteer organization. I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, there must. And I, I pushed a bit and they put on something and it was like, yeah, you're right. This is not. And, and having that humility now to be, you know, when we go into an organization, we're like, look, we bring fundraising, we bring runners, we bring a catalyst event that can be a storytelling event across your region. And, you know, that's sort of thing. over to you now. Like, and, and we don't say, you know, it, it may be that a narrative doesn't quite, and we know that it won't, like, in that form won't resonate. And so we kind of help sculpt it. But but as much hands-off as possible on those impact days, cool, What where do we need to get to? How long is it going to be for? And how much do you need from us, right? Do you need us helping with translations? In which case, probably not the right person. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, what, what, what is it? And then it's about us helping to kind of facilitate that rather than it be because the, the world doesn't need another white British man telling a story about development it doesn't need that um and I think early on I was very involved in the narrative now I'm more involved in saying cool this is our platform now over to you to to talk and and and, and to, to share your story however that works and I think that transition um you know, when I look back now, it's like, why the heck wasn't I doing that before? But you don't know what you don't know. And um, yeah, but the, the challenge is that, um, again, there's a lot of organizations out there that don't do that, that continue on, on that narrative. And it is an easier narrative to tell. It's an easy narrative to market. I can get quite nerdy and academic and thoughtful about these things. And um, sometimes I regret that. I'm like, wouldn't be so much easier if I just used the, the classic charity kind of cliche so to speak um but no you know that's not the life I want to lead right so um so listening to the organizations and creating an event around what will be most beneficial to them is far more powerful and if that means cool we're only going to do one day with them rather than two because actually they don't have value on the second day and they don't feel like and also it's their resources that they're giving to that cool then actually why don't we shape the week so that we do we go on a tour or something like that that we never normally would do because tours are kind of a bit cliche in travel. I try and stay away from any cliche things. Okay, cool. Well, what if we work with a local uh, tourism school and we were going to different people's communities and that was their first chance to practice a tour in their own community with a new group? Okay, cool. Now we're having an impact in how we're organizing this day that sets the scene really nicely for the next day with our organization who can now tell a story off the back of the different visits we've done the day before and youth leaders in each community being those so you see how the narrative can now play with that mm. which also means that a lot of our events in the in the three four weeks running up to it we're still kind of trying to work out how to how to blend everything together because they're always coming up with new ideas and there is no like uh, we I've obsessed for seven years about or six years however long it's been now about how do you get it consistent so it's like a blueprint the truth is it's really hard to create a blueprint when the narrative is changing all the time and you know we do an event in in April and then in June the volcano erupts and we lost 30 youth like 
the narrative is now different. The narrative is different and we have to respond to that. Um, and that's what's just, I guess, slightly different to what other race direct. We haven't even talked about races and running yet. Yeah. We have really, like, no, not yet. you know, and th th there's a reason for that. That comes at the end of the week. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more to how we balance that and how we plan a race, even, you know, even what we just did in the Isle of in Scotland, right? We were, we were still you know, reshaping that partly because, like, okay, cool, what's going to happen if it rains heavy, medium, light? Like, all of those, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a huge issue on Mull because yeah. you don't quite know. Sometimes you can think it's going to be a washout and then you sit there and you watch Morvern, the, the island above it, you watch that get washed out and Mull being in blazing sunlight. So, you know, each, each country throws totally different curveballs. Yeah, it's really, it's, I, I want to get into the, um, business side of stuff like setting up your own business and what that, mm. that means to you and there's been a couple of times so far where you've talked about i i wish i had essentially hindsight or you tried something that hasn't worked and everything like that and i think there's some quite cool themes in there to get into in terms of mm. um how you know setting up a, your own business with the goals and you know not being able to have that blueprint formula that you can just put right let's go and do the same thing there do the same thing there yeah then the challenges and all that kind of stuff that that they, that these throw up i mean so 2015 this was all kind of setting up what what were what was nick before 2015? i was i was in finance um i was working in impact investment so i was already seeing kind of already really inspired about how business can be used as a tool for good you know business you know when you say you're a businessman you get you know <laughs> there's a certain connotation you say you're an entrepreneur like it's the famous scene in uh, social network an entrepreneur so you're broke <laughs> no an entrepreneur um I, I, so so there's a lot of different kind of labels that come with it and you know even the word social enterprise has labels you know a lot of people see that as sort of a charity with a bit of a income generating arm or a business we kind of set out to be you know i was working with organizations saying we're a business first and foremost but we 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 have social goals right at the heart of what we do and so um yeah, I was working in that and I loved it. I loved it. And I, and I didn't, um, some, again, sometimes the narrative is sort of leaving London, leaving the city to, to, I, you know, I did, I didn't, I, I stayed in the office. They gave me an office. They knew I was secretly organizing Uganda marathon in room two. So when I handed in my notice, like, I know you use room two quite a lot. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, would you like it as your first office? And it was just like, you know, so I had a really good relationship with, with those, those guys and you know and um so I was doing that and I just saw the opportunity I saw it as a as something where it works in Uganda could we do this in more communities around the world um and could we could we create a blueprint and you know the truth is seven years on yes but it's not as regimented as it's not like a, an Ironman where you can roll into town and boom 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 this yeah, is, yeah. it doesn't work like that especially in the locations we're at um uh so yeah I went for it I I had um yeah they said you've got three months notice we're not going to put you on gardening leave because you're not going to arrival or something but just be in the office and crack on because you need all the time you can get so um the transition was couldn't have been easier couldn't have been nicer um but yeah first of september 2015 was when i woke up and suddenly there is just like this empty sheet like this empty day i knew i was flying to nepal 10 days later uh but it's like okay cool what what happens what happens now um <laughs> And to be honest, that doesn't necessarily go away. You know, even now you wake up and you still, you're in complete control of your day. Um, outside of an event time, 
where you know you're in you're in no control of anything <laughs> um sort of event time you know you know as soon as scotland finished you know, first second of may um i got got back home you know 10 days later and like okay cool what am i i've got five months without an event now i'm in charge of every single minute of every single day to some degree and uh that's still a challenge right there's still you need a level of discipline that that i don't think people who are employed can necessarily relate to yeah i think when i transitioned from full-time employment to running my what were you doing before so I used to work in hospitality, used to work mm-hmm. in outdoor education. Um, and then I went from the out, sort of delivering the outdoor education into the office, which was not for me. Kind of felt mm. like a sort of caged animal in the office. Did that for a couple of years in an office and then decided that, you know, I had to I had to get out of that nine to five cycle. Yeah. Um, me and my wife set up Coach Choice Coaching, a coaching business, which is still going strong today. And I think one of the key things I remember from going from full-time employment to working myself like like you were saying you kind of wake up one day and okay okay there's no one yeah. here there's no one here giving me things to do there's no one here telling me what to do that's up to me what I do how I do it you know and trying mm. to kind of get used to that concept of juggling my own time and yeah. it was suddenly quite eye-opening because you know you I've got time for me which I think is really important to have time for you which we'll come to shortly I'm sure I've got time for the business I've got time for my own personal development you know and it's Mm. all one of the things I remember was like how the hell did I used to get anything done when I was sat in an office (laughs) like 8 30 to sort of six every day it's it's crazy um but I would never turn back the clock I I I I really you know there's times when I crave the sort of uh routine of a full-time employed job and yeah. you know you know on any given day you're going to get x amount of money and you've got all that blah 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 mm. but then most of the time i could not go anywhere near that again i don't think but that's yeah. me and we're all different right yeah, um, yeah no cool. and you're, you're also blending that with having young kids and family right i mean yeah. i i definitely could not have started impact with young kids and family <laughs> at all not yeah. even remotely possible they, they do add something to the mix i'll tell you that <laughs> Uh, that's a diff- different podcast, I think. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, since since 2015 and and taking that uh, that transition mm. to to set up Impact, what have you learned about you? Oh, you blind me! I mean, that that's uh, that's a lot on that one. Um, I mean, I think going on to what you just said there, one of the challenges I face, and still to some degree face, and I, I'm being a lot more bold about saying this, but like even Cristiano Ronaldo has a coach. Yeah, like he's 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 the greatest of all time. He gets lauded as the whatever. I believe he's the greatest of all time. Uh, I you know, but he's had a coach his whole life. He's had a nutrition coach. He's had a he's had all of these things. And I think sometimes when you're start, starting out, you you don't realize that you need all of those things as well. You need mentors who are going to push you, not just meet up with you and have a chat, but actually say, cool, you need to provide this, this, and this. You need a, a boss when you're 27 years old and you're starting out your own business. You want people who are going to be replacing that boss that you had um who can coach you who can teach you can drive you who can be accountable to all of those things and I think um the single most important thing is like if I am not on fire impact is not on fire um so I have to be constantly on my energy if my energy's off which it, it happens definitely um impact doesn't impact doesn't go anywhere unless you're on fire and even once I you know you know going into my time we had to think about six 
even at that point, it still didn't change. It's not, you know, suddenly, you know, if you're the leader of a team of six and you're off, then you've got even bigger problems because six people are now going to be off. They're not there to necessarily be able to pull you up. They, they do because impact's quite a family kind of experience. But still, so energy management is absolutely the the biggest lesson that I've learned about myself. Um, I thought, again, before, I thought I was just pretty much always high energy. Um, and part of that was that I was going into a place where I had a good boss. I would fit, you know, because you had that structure of I have to be in the office during these times. Cool. Of course, I'd get up at six to go train. But then if you've got an empty day, it's like, cool, I don't need to get up at six. I could just get up. At... And so you lose that sense of discipline. And 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 so you suddenly running, like, I, I, I put on a lot of not good weight over the first year of impact because anything, all, all that mattered to me was no longer, oh, I need my run. It's like, I love this. I'm just going to keep, this is the biggest challenge of my life. I'm just going to keep working. Then it's three o'clock and you're like, well, I haven't eaten. And then obviously you eat badly and it, it just snowballs, right? So um, that energy, that looking after yourself um, is more important than anything, anything else. And that involves upskilling and understanding better about, you know, how cash flow models can work and, and learning that side of it. Um, I think the other element that I'm really focusing on now is to go, I think cash flow modeling set this off, right? Um, is to stop trying to do the things I'm not great at. And I think, especially, especially when you're on a tight budget and you think that no one's going to like, the truth is um, I'm not a phenomenal operations person. That's not my skill set. Um, I, I'm really good at, at at telling a narrative I'm really good at story I'm really good put a microphone in my hand and I come alive um I'm really good at all these things um I'm not great at doing the bookkeeping uh so I should have a bookkeeper I'm not great at doing the operations and the checklist like I understand how to run an event and I've run a lot of events but when I've got someone beside me who's really nailed in on that suddenly I become better they are become better and the whole experience for the team and the runners becomes better so um rather than trying to put myself through like learning the operations element it's like no we need to have someone who's good at that i can't i shouldn't be undermining what i'm brilliant at again cristiano Ronaldo doesn't again i can use him as another example he 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 doesn't try and defend ever right he is great at scoring goals and that's where he should be and he shouldn't be told to going goal for this match or you shouldn't you wouldn't do that right you wouldn't and so I think it's about finding your strengths and really focusing on that because that's how you become really good at what you're doing I think this ties really nicely into kind of team and community right when you've got a team or a community of people everybody's different and got their strengths and strengths and weaknesses and I think going into running your own business and whether that's as a essentially a sole trade or a limited small limited company or whatever the setup Mm. may be I think you need to establish what you're good at, what your strengths are, why you set your business up. And then there are people out there that can help you with the stuff that you struggle with. Because I don't think you're hustling all day and all night. It's relentless. Bogged down in stuff that really doesn't actually matter because you can get other people to help and get, and you can focus in on the stuff you enjoy doing and set set the business up to do. And for you guys, the, the obvious value that it brings to hundreds and thousands of other people globally. Yeah. And then that, that feeds then into your energy. Your energy is better. If your energy is better, you're on fire. The organization's on fire. It's just like this complete. And as soon as you start to jump off that trade, which happens, it's so easy to do. It's like, I'll, I'll just get it done because I can't, I don't have someone to solve that for me. Or whatever. Okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just get it done. Then two days later, it's done. 
but we've lost i'm i'm not happy i feel like the whole world's turned in on me and the, you know all of these things and for the sake of what yeah 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 so so then running which is obviously a key theme of mm. this this episode what does it bring to you regardless of the impact marathon series yeah well i think there's been times when obviously with work being always talking about running where I've had this kind of own relationship running. I'm like, do I even like it? Um, <laughs> but no, I do. I love it. It's been 11 years now, almost 11 years exactly since my first run and um, my first, you know, adult run, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I think I'm, I'm particularly a big fan of trail running. And I think one of the reasons I, I'm currently living down on the, the coast of Pembrokeshire and there's a, a headland just around here called Dina's Head and for tourists that come down and for walkers and even when I was first living here you know when I was in, in my teens this was like cool we're going to take our snacks and we're going to do a whole day walk around the island um, and it's stunning and all of that but it was like okay cool this is something we have to plan we have to prepare for now I wake up it, I go I go there I jog around it I come back and it's, I then have breakfast, right? It's something that's just opened up a world. I, when I first walked around Dina's Head, I never thought you could run around Dina's Head. I never thought that you would run around Dina's Head, find a little cove, jump in the water, jump out and carry on running. Like, uh, it just didn't occur to me that that was a thing or possible. And now it's, it's part of it. So it just opens up this map of the world to you where suddenly it's like, cool, I can, these things that used to be treks can actually be runs in a day um and then yeah absolutely you know all of the classic cliches we know are true in terms of running but i think through so much and i i, I have this uh space and actually this is quite a fun story i recently got engaged which is really really cool congratulations um, <laughs> and um i thank you i uh i did it at the top of a mountain nearby here uh, in pembrokeshire one that's been really special to me it's actually where i did my first ever trail run by accident when i just was really stressed one day i was what 22 or 23 i was really stressed i walked up the mountain and then i ran back down i was like well that was fun you can run down mountains um <laughs> it's also where we used to come on holiday here so uh you know this was like this, this stunning like it's just iconic in this this part of the world and, and a really cool place so I, I went and I just made it out like I was going on a Sunday morning run like I normally would and then um my fiance uh my mum invited my my fiance to go well she wasn't my fiance at that time my girlfriend to go on a walk with them on a Sunday morning that would end at the top of the mountain as well and what happened was obviously like uh on that run it was just unbelievably cool to do a 10, 10 kilometer kind of mountain run where I could completely clear my head. And after three months of planning, getting the ring, all day lying, lying a lot to your, your girlfriend, <laughs> you'd have to spend lots of time lying to your future wife. It's a very strange thing that we do here. I, I had this like hour to just be me, be ready, be present, be in this moment. And it was just like unbelievably cool that running could play a part in such a huge moment, but also prepared me ready for that. It doesn't prepare her. She has no clue what's going to happen. But like, um, and you don't really, again, it's the other strange thing. You plan this out, but she gets five seconds to realise this is happening and I have to give an answer. Uh, but you've been planning it for three months. <laughs> don't really think, well, fancy that. Men not thinking about it from a woman's perspective. Um, 
what we do. But it's just like, it was a really special thing. And it just, for me, was like this moment where running was in unison with my life. And I think that that's what running does. It's, it's, there's always a place wherever you are in your life. If you've had a great day, running elevates it and you get to celebrate that great day. If you've had a rough day, you get to change, you get this space to change what that day can be, you know. Um, and if you're having an average mundane day, you can make it special with a run. And so like, running just just uh, blends itself into your life in a way that that just means it's the right thing to do at any time, almost yeah. at any moment. It's the right decision. Yeah. Um, possibly not for the wedding, though, I'm told. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure you could squeeze a quick 5K in beforehand. <laughs> yeah. just, just one, one more little lie won't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, given my coaching position, I do hear quite often, particularly with triathletes, about I just I I hate running or mm. I, I'm not a runner, and I really struggle to see that or to listen to that because the you know like how you just put it there the the really eloquently of you know whatever the scenario in the day a run will make it better. Mm. You know, it, like even on the very best of days, you go for a run, it'll make it like an even better it's a day. Great way to, yeah, it's such a great way to celebrate. Like you just feel alive. That's when you get like you run down this descent on a, and you're in a good mood and your music's pumping and you, I literally spread my arms out. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Cool, right? Yeah, it is cool. And I, I, I almost feel uh, when I hear that, that the person telling me that is missing out. Mm. Did you ever have what, a do you, what do you answer to that, by the way? How do you handle that? I, as from a coach, I see it as my challenge to get them to not necessarily to love, but to enjoy running. Mm. And there are ways of, you know, like everything, nothing, nothing good ever comes easy, right? We've yeah. all got things that we don't like to do. Um, for me, spreadsheets, analysis, that kind of stuff, all the behind yeah. the scenes stuff is not my forte. It's not what I enjoy doing, but we have to do it, right? Yeah. Um, and so I've kind of learned very slowly as my wife will probably attest to <laughs> to kind of face up to these things and and to kind of do it and I kind of use that approach when it comes to running but also I know that the power of what running can bring hmm. what we've talked about in this podcast and trying to kind of show people and introduce people to that I think is a really strong thing to do and so for example with my coaching I very rarely coach someone on a running track these days I'll probably take them somewhere on grass or on some sort of a trail outside definitely not on a treadmill yeah just to be in that kind of nature wild-ish environment so that you're outside you feel the elements you keep your head up you look at what's around you you kind of take it all in yeah that Seriously. kind of yeah that kind of principle that kind of theory for me is where you kind of unpick this I don't like running I, I hate yeah. I hate running I'm not a runner because as a species, we are runners, right? That's what we're mm. kind of designed to do. So I kind of try and re-tap in, recalibrate that person into that almost caveman and back, yeah. back into the, this. Without animal. lecturing them about it, right? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. That's just, it's, it's almost like just do, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no but, point you saying, well, yeah, but you, yeah, we are as humans born to run. Yeah. <laughs> here's a book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true, right? And, and, and you know, obviously that comes up all the time you know um and the you know the, the two objections are normally oh, i hate running or knees knees is always an objection yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, yeah. i you know um when i get when i get to heaven i'm gonna have a chat with god about the design of the knee because it's pretty good it's almost there but there's just a couple of it's fine, anyway. well minor flawed but oh, i think really, yeah. this this kind of ties into for me it ties into things like strava and mm. how 
um, like we said, a, a really pure activity like running has now become this kind of like quietly competitive. I'm always comparing myself to yeah. X, Y, or Z. Personally, I'm not on Strava. I do see the benefit of it. I'm not knocking Strava. Yeah. I do, do see the benefit of it, but I also see the downside of it with a lot of my athletes who are forever comparing or forever you put, give them an easy run it's an easy run session today and they'll go out because they're on a segment and they'll try it but, but isn't that also just an element of of us as in like stra i i i just try to find new routes so i i like testing it but also i think it's that if you want to use these platforms to compare yourself and to get down on yourself then that's what you will do if you want to use these platforms to find new trails or to um be excited at late that's what you will do and it's kind of um yeah, I feel like there should be some element of responsibility in us as well to go out and enjoy yeah. our runs, right? And, you know, I think um, a new a new one came out recently called um, Bird, B-Y-R-D, mm-hmm. which is all around, like, not, it doesn't give you your stats at the end. It's, it asks you how it felt, how, and it sets you little challenges about, like, taking a picture of a flower on the way and those kind of things. So it's trying to get you out of that 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 concept that... That running should be that i also think what you said about getting people in nature and trails trail running doesn't have that same element right it's it's it, it's exciting to find a cool view when you're running on the road the sad fact is that you what your watch is telling you is possibly the most interesting thing happening now that's again another little mental shift because I, I used to love, I used to live in Camden Water in London. That's when I started running. I was like, oh, that's a cool pub. We should go there one evening. Or so if you're looking up and around, then there's always new things to discover, whether you're on road or trail. But how do you get people to how do you get people to do that? Right? It's, it's down to them as an individual what they want to get from their running. Yeah, I, I try and convince my athletes from time to time to either go out with no watch mm-hmm. or go out with no headphones. Yep. So that you are much more present in that particular run that you're doing and like you say taking in your surroundings and mm. and just having a look at and being grateful and appreciating where you are and that sometimes the kilometers covered the speed covered the the metrics are not the be all and end all sometimes it's just being able and grateful to get out and do which is tough for you to say as a coach right because fundamentally i guess people are coming to you because they have an athletic goal to achieve yeah, and I think, but I think genuinely, I, I think to, to achieve an athletic goal, there has to be a blend of enjoyment versus mm-hmm. um, growth, right? Yeah. And growth, no matter how you look at growth, it never comes easy. You have to yeah. kind of explore, you have to test, you have to go out of your comfort zone, etc. Which in itself can be fun, it can be enjoyable, but equally, like we've all said, like simplistically, running is mm. one of the most enjoyable things you know one can do. And yeah. so from time to time, just tapping that, just, you know, reinforcing that with someone who is so engrossed in a given goal. Yeah. Just really like get that enjoyment back into it and then carry on with the process. For me as a coach, I think it's a really powerful thing to be able to employ. Mm. Because yeah. it, it sort of almost regrounds that person and takes the pressure off, even if it's for an hour a week or an hour a month, yeah. just to kind of recalibrate. Yeah. But talking of recalibrating, Obviously, you know, running your own business the last um, last few years have obviously been very tough, particularly with events. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. I mean, how, how have you navigated that, not only as a business, but also for yourself, um, like prioritizing? Because you've mentioned quite a bit about, you know, your 
because you're firing on all cylinders and everything around you and everyone around you is firing on all cylinders. And I imagine that responsibility on yourself must have been quite tough at times. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that's one of the things that I, I guess I found difficult about the narrative during the pandemic um, is if you watch the news, which is a terrible idea anyway, but let's just say you did that. <laughs> yeah. um, it was about fight money. It's like cash flow. We were out of business. Uh, okay, if you set up your own business, you've already got a genuine kind of reasonably high threshold <laughs> to, to money worries, right? Uh, you wouldn't, if you were that worried about money, you don't set up your own business because um, you have ups and downs. You have, you, know, you have opportunities to obviously earn a lot more than you ever did, but you also, there's a road to that. So you've already got a high threshold for that and things happen that just take you down that. So uh, that was part of it. Um, but a really small part of it for me, the bigger thing is like, I love creating events. I love it. I love looking out over a, a group of people on that final night after the race and hearing that energy and the dreams and the bars. And I love sweaty hugs from the finishing line, that, you know, which are not allowed in the pandemic, definitely not allowed during the pandemic. Um, and I think, you know, and I talked a lot with Theo at Love Trails Festival, which is, you know, he has a, we have really similar values in terms of like what events should look like and, and reasons why we do it. And we both obsess about the energy and how you bring people together and all of this. And so not having the chance to do that is hard. Like, that's what I'm really good at. That's what I believe I is my, one of my great, things that I can do in my life is bring people together right that's something that I will happily say almost arrogantly but you can say whichever you want it's like this is what I'm called to do this is what I'm supposed to do um this is the path that you know God has me on and this is where I want to be and so to not have that chance to do it to not to have these dreams that I can't bring into reality was incredibly frustrating to be coming up with these ideas and dreams and thoughts and 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 then to not be able to, to see them come to life just yet and having that patience that that was tough and I think that was that was the harder part of all of it was just feeling like I'm not able to do what I'm brilliant at and um regardless of of how everyone was impacted by the pandemic and you know I, I again I have friends within my friendship group who you know one of them works in in advising bankruptcy cases right he did great brilliant it's like Christmas um so you know um there's there's that element of 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 your path and where you're on it and having to accept that, that you need the humility and um yeah, I think when you were interviewing Nick, he said something about <clears throat> accepting failures and not trying to put a positive spin on it. It's like, I went for it, I failed. I'm not going to try and spin it around. So it's like, but I love this, this, this. And I think there's something like, we just had to be patient. That was it. There were, you, 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 potentially in 10 years time, we'll look back and say this was great. Or maybe we already are saying that, but you don't have to. It could just have been a really crap two years and that's okay. Mm. Um I don't feel like you need to, to, to necessarily spin it. However, I went into the pandemic uh, with a lot of worries about how impact would get through. I was incredibly single um, and I, you know, had yeah, a lot of different challenges that I've been able to take the time to genuinely come to terms with. The split from the Uganda team in 2015 was extraordinarily difficult and for a five years I let it continue to just chip and chip away at me not in a like active way but just there was things that were said at that time that made me go cool I don't 
want to be on the microphone and showing myself as a leader because that could be construed as me being an ego. And actually, I had the time to now go, well, is that the case? No, I just, that's something I'm really good at. I should be there. Like I should be doing that. And, um, and, and actually, you know, coming out of it in a way where I say, okay, cool. Yeah. Now have a, a, a fiance, no way, you know, she was in Guatemala. There's no way if I'd gone straight on to do our Jordan race that we would have carried on talking. Instead, we were both in lockdown in Guatemala, in the UK, we started talking and, you know, now we have, I have a teammate for life and that's just like phenomenally exciting. So you, there are positives in everything, but it was still a crap time. It was still mm. crap, you know, and yeah. um, uh, events are still paying for it. And we're seeing it right now. If you look at, you know, in terms of events trying to get back, but we don't have the same, I, we've just done two events where I'm having to train up only one person over the two events has worked an event with me before. So I've had about 35 people I've been, training up and it's taken more out of me than any two events ever and because you're constantly having to train people out get people into the energy of what impacts about helping them all of these things so suddenly like yeah we're still we're still even coming out of it it's still a bit of a battle because you don't have the same team with experience that you did before because who wants to work for an events company during two years with no events it's been funny, isn't it? It's a funny old time in that respect. I, I, one of the things I was sort of looking to wrap up on is what your take on is what the, the future holds for sort of running and endurance events. It's well, a bit, yeah. it, does, it does just seem to me at the moment, particularly in the triathlon world, that there's a mm. little bit of a shift in the nature of participation. Yeah. What um, do you think that shift is? Well, I think it's a few things. I think it's the, I think there's the cost of living which is yep. put, putting people off spend. Um, I also think there's, given the popularity, I'm talking about triathlon here now, that the popular, popularity of triathlon since 2012 has just gone through the roof. Hmm. And I think because of that, more and more people have become coaches, set up coaching businesses, more and more clubs have come up, more yeah. and more events have popped up here, there and everywhere, some slightly more random than others with various unique um, or USPs. And now suddenly the kind of numbers are starting to kind of probably drop down a little bit. Mm. Hang on a minute. Where's all our regular community people gone? There's kind of a lot of people now, almost like a lot of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people waiting for these clients or athletes that might not actually be there. Mm. That's, the fun, that's the nature of where we're at at the moment from my perspective of being working in that triathlon world. But I don't know whether it's the same for running and endurance events. Just wonder what your take was on that, because obviously yours is yours is unique and it's a much bigger. Mm. There's there's more, you know, for, for me coming onto one of yours as an athlete, I'm not really coming onto it as an athlete looking to challenge yeah. myself. I'm coming on as an individual looking to grow. Yes, and have That's an and having a, have an experience rather than go, hey, I smashed out this race in this time and mm. look at my medal. Yeah, and there's a time and a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But what you're talking about is something very different as an experience. Yeah, it is. And I think it's it's one of the harder things about sort of how we talk about impact as well, because naturally when you hear the, the word impact marathon or marathon um, and, you know, and, and also I think it's a, it's a difficult time for travel because travel has to come to terms with the fact that in order for us to justify travel, we have to create a better impact in the world. And we have to, uh, if we're going to travel, to run a race for our own 
personal goals, dreams, aspirations to make us happy, to help us fight demons, whatever it is, we will have our motivations. None are better or worse than any others. They will what fires us. Um, then, you know, I feel like there has to be a consideration to the communities we're running through. There has to be a consideration to um, the impact our need to, to, to do that race has on the world, which is why I think for us, you'll see us doing a lot more events in local markets and less travel events for sure unless we can say there's going to be an exponentially positive impact from this uh i don't i don't think that that you'll see us coming up with many new locations uh I, I, until we we can uh yeah we see a transition in the in the travel world uh to, to more sustainable forms of travel um and fuels of travel um i also think that there's, I, I personally think there's a huge amount more opportunity within the diversification of the running community. I think today we're seeing Sophie Power, who's you know one of one of the big advisors to Impact, and you know has been with us since since 2015, 2016 was when I first met with Sophie, um, and she's launched She Races today. Uh, it's Global Running Day. It's She Races, and you know when you look at the fact that the disproportionately male population of races uh, compared to the running world as, as a whole shows that we're still not doing enough to get women to running events. Um, and the same can be said with organizations like Black Trail Runners and um, uh, Muslim hikers. Like there's so many different um, organizations uh, that aren't represented in the running world. And they think that us as organizers, coaches, whatever, who, people in the industry, um, it's a, such a great opportunity to check our blind spots about what we're not seeing. And, you know, when we, when I started writing our She Races policy, obviously there, there are things that impact actually, you know, recently in Scotland, it was 60% women, right? So obviously we're doing things right. But A, there's still things where I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. And then there's elements which is like, well, we do that. So and that's had this effect. I didn't realize that that would actually be a positive impact in that area. And, and so formalizing what we've done right, but also recognizing our blind spots in all of these areas, I think is, is where um, not only is it the right thing to do, not only is it good for society, I think it's, you know, as with most things, if it's good for society, it's the right thing to do. It's probably good for your organization, your business in the long run. And so business needs to, that's, that's why I first got into impact investment. Um, thematically if we're investing in things things that are good for the world um over a five to ten year period should thematically do really well from a financial perspective like like the world can 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 actually unite around collectively around what is good for the world and for society that might sound idealistic but it's actually true um <laughs> and just because some people subvert the system and make money in 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 not great ways um that doesn't mean that over the long term we shouldn't be doing the right things the right time and 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 sticking to those values and and i think that that's that's the case with with any value live driven organization and if we're setting up races and if we're setting organizations purely to focus on 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 an opportunity in the market then we're probably missing the point about what we want to do with our lives um so yeah i, I put those values at the center of what we're doing i think whether that's impact whether that's coaching whether that's uh, running festivals if your values are strong the values are central to what you're doing um you may have some difficult times it may be a slower build um 
but it's it's much more powerful for everybody coming to your events and it's much more powerful for you as an individual yeah 100% 100% yeah i think well it's that's a really good way to sort of wrap up the, hmm. the this episode of the podcast i think you know sticking to your values no matter what i think is the core kind of success of what you and your team are doing at mm. impact marathon series and where can people find out um, more about the series more about yourself and, and what you're up to so yeah and um, we're very easy searchable uh <laughs> if, if you just type into impact marathon you'll get our website if you'll get um all of that I, i'm on instagram send kershaw um so yeah those are the two main sources of information on everything impact marathon impact world um we've got quite a lot of uh structural things we're changing in terms of how we organize our events uh which is really really exciting and um yeah i think you'll soon see us move outside of just running which is exciting as well um but we'll see uh i think uh it's it's a a really interesting transition we're about to go through so i think it's well worth uh following that story because yeah some things won't work and something real <laughs> brilliantly so i'm not never, afraid to to publicly fail anymore try, right yeah i think you get to a point where you just don't care if people think that you've got it wrong um and it's like cool we're gonna go for it and uh yeah there's, there's elements where I've, I've really thought something would work you know i really thought that in guatemala we'd see loads more of the guatemalan runners come and join in the impact projects because loads had messaged me about it so we launched that <laughs> total disaster <laughs> okay cool we'll just we'll just stick to doing a great race there it's fine like we don't need to you know hammer on so you know I, I'm not afraid to go cool we got that wrong and I'm not afraid to do that publicly either so um that's why yeah following an impact marathon and on NJ Kershaw is probably I tend to do behind the scenes stuff on NJ Kershaw and then uh you'll see the the front of house stuff on impact marathon and just <laughs> compare and contrast how things actually work out in reality but you know I think um you know certainly we'll have some more events coming up in the UK which is what I'm I think really really excited about so yeah great well look i will put all of your contact details and websites in the in the show notes Brilliant. but thank you for me thank you so much for sharing more about your story and and the impact marathon series i think what a great thing to be responsible for i think <laughs> i don't know whether you give yourself the pat on the back you probably deserve but i think it's a really great thing i think there's thank lots you. of potential i'm really excited and what the future holds for you and and yeah thank you so much for coming on and and sharing and inspiring the listeners well I'm, and myself brilliant i know it's been been a, a great conversation so thanks so much for uh yeah for having me on no problem at all and, and as always for the listeners thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of the evolve pod if you would like to share, like and review the podcast, it really just helps us get the positive words out to more and more people. So in the meantime, keep running, keep happy. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with some more content. Take care, everybody. 